Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Marcus Gasol trade has been executed. The Lakers basically have a roster, we think. What does it mean looking forward? Are there any lessons they can learn from Marcus Gasol's time in L.A.? We'll do all that next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Do want to tell you before we get going here that you can start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA. Josh Lloyd, host of the uh, number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked On NBA. I know, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. He takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On NBA today wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder, so, the world is big ass, man. It is. And they play, I mean, it's a lot of fantasy basketball podcasts. So a lot of territory to conquer. Congratulations to Josh Lloyd. Um, so I was on that show last week, by the way. Go look that episode up. Um, all right. So Friday, uh, uh, the Lakers do their customary Friday news dump. That's basically what <laughs> they've been doing for the last like month. Really? Every yeah. Friday, they just do something. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to find out that like Palenka's running for office or something like that. He, he seems to be going into very uh, politician-y mode. Right. right sometimes now. it's good news. Sometimes it's stuff you want to fly under the radar. But anyway, the Lakers have been very active on Fridays. Um, they they do what would had been considered inevitable at this point. They uh, trade Mark Gasol. They remove him from the roster. They trade him back to Memphis. Uh, so theoretically, if he's going to retire, he can retire where it all began, which is kind of cool. Uh, the Lakers had to ship out, I believe, some cash and some uh, a second round pick to make it worth Memphis's uh, time to file the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's essentially, every, what that is is you know, it's a paperwork fee. Look, man, ev- every second you've got somebody in the office working on that paperwork is a second they are spending not working on something that might have been more trenchant, more important. You know, just no, look, no, I, dollar I to it. dollar value. You got to you know, look. You got to make it worth somebody's time to take on the salary. To I mean, they still got to pay Mark. They, <laughs> this is how the offices all. that you and I are not a part of it, as far as I understand, work. Yeah, Memphis is going to pay Gasol. The Lakers got to sweeten the deal a little bit, so they do give up an asset to remove uh, Gasol from their roster. Uh, they will receive in return a very small trade exception, which they can use essentially to bring in a player. Um, on a veteran's minimum deal. That is mm-hmm. how that will work over the course of the season. And a the rights to a player in China, a seven-footer, I apologize if I mispronounce his name, Wang Jelin, I believe, something. Uh, to the, he's not expected to play in uh, America anytime soon. Um, but anyway, so he's gone. The point is he's not on the roster anymore. The Lakers now have a center rotation of um, Anthony Davis, DeAndre Jordan, and Dwight Howard. There is some clarity in people, Andy. Not yet any clarity on how this works. We talked about it some on on Friday's show. That is a massive question when you try to evaluate the sort of downstream impact of getting rid of Pau, uh, of Pau Gasol, of Marc Gasol. <laughs> well, Lakers spent a we'll, long we'll time trying to do that like, too. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and we'll talk about this. Like it was a weird the the Marc Gasol era. It was in a it was a weird ending to a weird year to a weird everything. And so we'll we'll get into a little bit of that. But you know, if the Lakers they have two sort of two models in front of them, Andy. The the 2019-2020 model, where you have two guys who theoretically play above the rim and are 
classic rim protectors in theory, if not in practice with DeAndre Jordan and, and uh, Dwight Howard, um, where one starts, one comes off the bench, and Davis plays the rest of that time, about 40% or so, at center. The model I think we're all hoping for is one where Anthony Davis starts at center, Dwight Howard backs him up, and DeAndre Jordan is essentially Dwight Howard's backup when you need that, you know, Dwight, 35, 36 years old. It's good to have a third guy around. I, if it's the latter, losing Marcus Gasol to me doesn't seem to have that much impact on the roster. If it's the former, it's at least a little bit more important. I am counting on it being uh, the 2019-2020 model until I'm shown anything otherwise. I mean, I've made it very, very clear that I, I've come around on the idea that AD playing more center actually is a very big deal. Um, it used to be talked about a lot, and I was among those downplaying it as something that really mattered a lot for the Lakers and a lot of the evidence that I and other people would use uh, would be the idea that they won that championship in 2020. I've come around to the idea that this actually is a very big deal because it makes things just a hell of a lot simpler for the Lakers. It streamlines it, it a lot. Anthony Davis playing more, much yes. more center. I yes, agree it, it makes it a lot easier in terms of, I think, coming up with functional floor combinations. It alleviates some of the spacing issues you will have. It makes it, I think, easier to come up with transition units than it looks like the Lakers will and certainly should want to get out more where you can flare out more to the wings and still have a guy like Anthony Davis rim running. Uh, I just There's a lot about this that I think becomes easier and and in a lot of ways more logical. Oh, if Anthony Davis would, uh, is somewhere yeah. between a three quarter center and a full time center, yeah, and seventy percent of his minutes right, are played look, with a yeah, absolutely in a, in a world with no preferences and no politics that come with superstars in your franchise, and every franchise has those. Anthony Davis would be your center. I mean, it's it's a no brainer. The biggest thing. I think maybe, you know, Frank will talk about this. Frank Vogel's overarching philosophies could have something to do with this. But one of, if not the biggest uh, obstacle in making this happen is Anthony Davis's preferences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even with superstars, sometimes you have to tell them no. And I feel like this is one of those times, well, delicately. Hopefully, hopefully. This because a lot of the reporting you go back and read Ramona Shelburne and some of the other people who've broken Brad Turner this down, with the Times. Brad Turner with the Times that have talked about this and how the the Westbrook trade came to be. Because not, I agree with you a hundred percent. Everything you said is exactly right about the importance of Davis and how it makes it easier. Or whatever, I'll do you one better. It's it's more important on this team with Russell Westbrook than it was when the the year they won the title. I mean, it's significantly more important um, in terms of not so much Davis is a better player. But everybody else gets to be better. And if you look at some of that reporting from BT, from Ramona and, and the other people around the league who, who've done this, it does seem like it came up, like the willingness to play more five. Now, does that mean DeAndre Jordan? And, and by the way, I do think it would be DJ that starts if if they do start a center, even if it's nominally Davis plays way more time. If you're still going to pick one of those guys, it would probably be Jordan because you almost need Dwight to, to help the second unit more defensively than Jordan can, I think. He's a better better defensive center. That's my... We don't have to get tangled in that. That's just my guess. I... If if Dave, if Dave that reporting is true, 
then this is all part of that plan. Um, or at the very least is a, a happy ending to a relationship that went sour that in the end won't impact them because if Davis is going to play that much more center, you don't really need Mark Gasol nearly as much. I hope that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. It just it makes it so much easier to play their best players. Their best players are all the other dudes, the wings and the five two guards that they have and all that. Those are the guys they need to figure out ways to get on the floor. Yeah, I mean, my my general attitude about this, and we've t- we've talked about this a lot because the writing on the wall has seemed to have been there for a while with Marcus All. I mean, that he was really coming back, right? Right, or you know that that there were issues with him and the organization, and you know they that could be more lopsided towards Mark, more lopsided towards the organization, equal whatever. But it has felt, even while last season was going on, like things between Gasol and the organization over the last couple months of 2021 season were getting tenuous. I feel a lot like Davis's use in all of this is more important than which guy ultimately you have available to you, whether between Marc Gasol, DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. even if both were available, because while Marc Gasol certainly gives you optionality that DeAndre Jordan doesn't give you, uh, Dwight Howard doesn't give you, to some degree Anthony Davis doesn't give you, because despite his reputation as a guy who spreads the floor himself, it's really not his wheelhouse at all. And I think, no, frankly, you're, it's a- if you're the if you're the opposition and AD wants to take six or seven threes a game until he can show that he can make. 36% of yeah. them, you let them do it all day. But that being said, you can only you, you can only lose optionality that you're going to use and that you're going to take advantage of. And if Marcus Gasol, for one reason or another, whether he was on this roster or whether he ends up, you know, getting shipped out to Memphis, you know, mm-hmm. and, and route to Spain eventually, if he's not part of the plan, he's not part of the plan. And we, you know, we'll get into this later in the show. We started seeing evidence of him not being part of the plan well before we reach this point now. Yeah. It's 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 funny like, you know, the the irony of some of these things. And like look, Lakers fans, there are some who look at this and say, you know, Lakers are missing out. A lot of people looking at like, Gasol was trash last year. He didn't do anything. Like you go back and you look at it. When the Lakers were good and they were intact, Marcus Gasol was a key ingredient in, for, you know, within the minutes he played, he was a key ingredient for a dominant defense. Um, his numbers on that side of the ball were really good. The irony is the stuff you're talking about, the problems with Gasol, were while he was very good defensively as part of that unit, he didn't shoot the ball nearly enough. When he came back uh, post-COVID and he struggled and the Lakers were kind of a mess um, physically and all that stuff, they made him angry enough that he actually started taking his three-pointers. A little and, more, but, and, but and not really, a, though. a little bit more of a difference. Not, not um, really. In all so honesty, like, here's, here's, here's what I find interesting about this. One of the things, and maybe we'll talk about this next. There is no question that the Marcus All or DeAndre Jordan is not going to be the determining factor for the Lakers this season in terms of whether or not they win a title. Like last year fell apart because Anthony Davis got hurt and LeBron James was hobbled. And it didn't matter if Gasol was awesome and Andre Drummond came in. Like They weren't going to win at that point. What they're looking at this year, though, might look a little bit more like it did two years ago when they did win a title and marginal stuff mattered more. And we'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Sweat Block. There are a few things in life that just they're not fun to talk about. And one of them is excessive sweat. 
Oh, well, wait, no, sorry. actually, I find this Carry, fascinating to talk on. about. <laughs> I, I, are you kidding? I mean, Lakers, some Lakers fans are not looking forward to the idea of love DeAndre Jordan. That's no, all no, I'm saying. the results may not be fun to talk about. The well, actual the topic itself. I, God, I hope so. Oh, I find I find this if, if it's not, we're in a bind. Yeah, I find this really, <laughs> really interesting and actually pretty fun to talk about. It is not though like excessive sweating, like when you are sweating through your shirts, through your entire wardrobe, no particular reason. It's embarrassing. I don't want to worry about that. So that's why you sweat block antiperspirant wipes, stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You just apply it at night before bed. Next morning, you wake up, you wash, you go about your day without worrying about sweat. You can use it once or twice a week and stay dry the entire time. Guaranteed or your money back, no more pit stains, no more picking out shirts based on what hides the sweat. I'll put it to you this way. If you know of another sweat solution that is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, featured on Rachel Ray's show, tested by firefighters, I'm listening. But until then, check out SweatBlock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com using the promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. I personally find myself pitting out because I'm concerned about who's going to play center. So, I mean, like, the SweatBlock, perfect, perfect uh, thing for that. Use two wipes. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching your highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends, girlfriends, husbands, login uh, for the, all the good stuff you need. You're kind of a, a pirate when it comes to entertainment. Let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like nothing ever before. So you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows together all in one place. No more juggling remotes. No more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about it at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Uh, it's a compatible device is required and content varies by package. Um, so... You know, how much does Mark Gasol matter? And what I think is so cool about championship or bust seasons when, like, we all know what, Andy, what really matters. Health with the big three. Those guys aren't healthy. Health and fit. Right. Well, but fit doesn't matter if they're not there. So it starts with health, and then you can work on fit. And then so fit is next. Mark Gasol would have been, like, 12th on that list. Like and and you start to get to a place where it's a bunch. It becomes a bunch of little things, um, you know, switchability on deep, like all these little things. And 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 like for a, and you go back to the championship season, the big stuff held. The 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 important guys stayed healthy, and then like marginal stuff kind of made a difference. All of a sudden, Markeith Morris suddenly being a usable player in the bubble. Like in the playoffs, it made an impact. Rajon Rondo morphing from a guy who wasn't very good in the regular season to a very usable and important player in the postseason. Like some of these little difference makers, KCP hitting more shots, became important. And to me, I look at the center thing, like the optionality that you talked about in the first segment and the ability to stretch the floor and to make that fit work and have other things that you can do as one of the things that I throw in that bucket. And I don't know if it would have been important or not. And it's in there with a bunch of other little things. But some of those things are going to be critical for the Lakers in terms of getting to a title. And that's one of the things that is so cool about watching a team like this is trying to figure out where those influences come once you get past 
the big three. Can you make it fit better depending on which personnel are available to you? Like all of those things to me are interconnected. And that's why I think this trade um, or this happening, you know, the whole saga is important on one level or another. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. And I don't, I don't want to get too semantic-y about it, but the, the things sure. that you brought up feel to me bigger than just margin-y because there's only there's only so much that you want your big three, particularly in the playoffs, to have to carry everything. Like I know the playoffs ultimately are where stars come out, and they're ultimately where your superstars matter the most, particularly in the NBA, which is a right. talent no, driven league. They that, needed they needed AD, for example, to become bubble AD, sure, to get where they wanted to go. That was that huge. being that being said, though, a guy like Robert Ory, for example is a playoff legend for a reason. Mm -hmm. And those reasons to me are more than margin -y. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think a lot of these things actually, I mean, I don't know how this necessarily frames what you were talking about. I think they're bigger than margin -y stuff. I actually, I actually think these are things that are, well, if you were, I guess, doing like a diagram of circles and like the big three was the center, almost like, I don't know, the solar system or something. I think these things would be, God damn, I don't know which planets are which. It just dawned on me. I was about to make an example. Pluto's the furthest, correct? When we still count, are we still yes. counting Pluto as a He's still planet? the furthest away, yes. Okay. I, I believe he has been also reinstated as a planet, yes. I, I Damn right, man. Damn right. I am on hashtag team Pluto on this. I, I grew up believing Pluto was a planet. You can't take that away from me. I don't know who did it, but anti-Pluto council, but I'm in on it. Like to me, what you were talking about with guys making their outside shots or the role of a Robert Ory, the role of a Rick Fox, uh, the role of, mm -hmm. say, a, a Meta World Peace in 2010, Trevor sure. Reese in 2009. Those things to me feel closer to, say, Mars than Pluto in the example that, okay. that I was giving. Yeah. And if, if anything, I, I think I guess it ratchet, ratchets up the intensity. I mean, where which planet you consider... Mark Gasol, right, and, uh, and I and, and I think what's funny about this is we've kind of gone back and forth about how much some of this stuff matters and how much Gasol matters, and I think that that gets to it. It's like where where in this solar system does he does he fit? Like it's, see, it's Mark Gasol to me feels like Pluto only in the sense of it seemed like we were going in a direction where the coaching staff wasn't going to acknowledge him. Like maybe he, he was well, actually. No, I, see, I, I disagree. I think if he was there, I think if Gasol were, were on the roster. If he showed up in training camp, they didn't want it. They were like, you know what? We couldn't find a trade partner. We Mark Gasol, you know, we want you to come back. You're going to start. It's going to be like, and I, I actually think they would have played him. I mean, the coaching staff didn't care. They, they might have played him, him, but he was going to be, it he seemed would, to me. He would have played, I think, the role he would have played last year, which in, is unless, 15 I mean, look, something minutes a night. Unless they brought in DeAndre Jordan anyway, because they value, whether you agree or disagree, what DeAndre does more than what Mark does. And I say this because... Uh -huh. We saw during the playoffs, you know, and you and I were both proponents might be too strong of bringing in Andre Drummond, but neither one of us was extremely against it either. Well, they, we right. They we understood. Dudes. Right. They, they needed, needed people. They needed dudes. Mark Gasol, to be perfectly honest, was not giving them nearly enough offensively. And Correct. they needed they needed their offense to get juiced. And on paper, you could see a logic for Drummond, even though he was not on, he was not particularly high on either one of our lists as buyout candidates. I could understand the logic 
especially if he had been able to play with Anthony Davis, which ultimately is what they wanted. However, though, there came a point where during the playoffs, it was becoming obvious, especially with AD not available, that this wasn't working. It just wasn't. And it doesn't matter who's this being Drummond or this being, this being Drummond and the overall offense, it was not working. And at some point, it felt obvious to me, and I even asked Frank Vogel about this, that they needed to go back to Mark just for pragmatic familiarity. Like this was something they had been doing all year, and they just had run out of runway to keep trying to work on this. You don't work on this in the first round of the playoffs. And I brought this up to Vogel, and he understood where I was coming from with asking this, but he still kept insisting that this was the route they wanted to go, and this was evidenced until game six when they finally put in Mark, which leads me to believe, unless this promise that we talked about earlier was some type of blood oath that they felt they couldn't get past or they were that worried about the dynamics of pissing off Andre Drummond's agent or whatever, because this was not somebody they were planning on bringing back anyway in all likelihood. I wonder how much of this is just Vogel's philosophy. Or they just decide, or they, well, Vogel's philosophy. Or in terms of looking decide, to go maybe. big, and looking to overwhelm with size, looking to play as close to the rim as possible. Agree or disagree? In terms it of could, it could be logic, I, it could be, and I and let's let's talk about this next because I, I think there are measuring this stuff is is unquestionably complicated, and the it's the it's the connected impacts of all these things when you don't have a center like how does that impact the roster and all that? But let's talk a little bit just about the the weirdness of yes. what this was yes. over the course of the year, and there's one more thing that kind of comes from it that I actually do think is a lesson. And it's not, it's not to relitigate the Drummond thing, but I think could be kind of a lesson for how they approach continuing to improve the roster because there are now two roster spaces open. We can talk about this too. What are they going to do with them? We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you'd need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway, dummy? You can get it for far less at rockauto.com. Here's an example. Han Odyssey fuel pump, $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 at Rock Auto. They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So the impact of this is the Lakers to whatever degree Marcus All would have been a, a guy who shoots, maybe he would have been, you know, the angry Mark who was a little bit more willing to pull the trigger versus the early season Mark who wasn't. We'll never find out. What they, what they don't have now is the optionality of it. Um, mm -hmm. Doesn't matter much if the idea is to play AD at the five as much anyway. But this was just a really weird chapter in Lakers history, like part of last year, which was a weird year in Lakers history. And ultimately they went from, you know, to some degree, you know, the kind of re, you know, Gasol was a huge part of reshaping what was an effective center rotation 
two years ago. Um, it didn't cost them Dwight Howard, but you know, it, it you know, JaVale left and it was, it, he was a big part of that. Then they got, went and got Montrez Harrell and it was like all this stuff. And I liked those moves. Yeah, so did I. And then it, it, you go from this place where he's starting, it's working, it's playing well to he, whether it's the official explanation of Gasol wants to go back to Spain to spend more time with his family after a year, or like we've kind of been talking about, it, it seemed like the Lakers didn't necessarily want him around, or probably some ratio of yes to both of those things. The Lakers made it so Gasol didn't really want to be here anymore. And we'll find out more, I guess, as this goes along. But goddamn, this was weird. It just like, you know, to take a guy with like the sort of the character and the history and the pedigree of Gasol and have it work out this badly to where you have to give up some of your very limited assets just to get him off the payroll. To move a minimum contract. <laughs> right. A minimum contract. Like they can't even eat it. They got to get rid of it because, you know, but, they weren't, it wasn't going to work. Like they, and so, that, you know, there's no point, in, you know, eating the five million in luxury taxes and all that. But it's just, it's, it, it's weird. It's weird. And oh, I, I, part of me feels like there's some bad sort of, asset management person personal human management going in here um do the lakers always treat their people like people do they treat them just like assets you hear different things about rob palenka in this way gasol's not the most important thing and i'm trying to make it into that it's it's just an interesting story yeah i mean look this is not going to go down um as you know the feather in rob palenka's cap when it comes to player acquisition and asset uh, allocation both over the course guys, by the way right over both, the course of trez and gasol right oh, well i guess i mean they trez managed was to, they managed to spin trez but the trez thing certainly didn't i think work ultimately in the end because they look i mean they ran into some of the same problems with trez as they did with mark in right the in, different bring in the difference though to be really disruptive well the difference though being with the reason i will give it more of a pass with trez is you and i both expected trez to be a regular season innings eater anyway so in terms of what happened with him in the playoffs, that's roughly what I expected anyway. And they at least they they were able to parlay him right. into another asset. Right. We and player. we both we both thought there was a pretty good chance that he was only going to be there one year anyway. So I Trez doesn't really stand out to me that way, but again, having to and having to attach a second round pick to move a minimum contract that that's special. Yeah, <laughs> that, I just made it the sense uh, like you know it's it's the irony is they're going back to in theory the exact same type of center yeah. rotation that they had two years ago by dismantling one of them was literally the same guy by dismantling the thing that they built with much uh, hullabaloo um, over last offseason. I mean, it's, again, I support. I, I did not support bringing back the roster last year as it was. I thought they. I, I thought those were good moves, and we'll never know exactly what it would have looked like because, like we said, the things that mattered most. Gasol, uh, you know, um, LeBron staying healthy, AD staying healthy, didn't happen. And yeah. nothing, you know, that that was what killed the season. And we just didn't get a chance to learn more about it. But let me ask you this, because this is one of the things that I think might be relevant going forward. And it is unquestionably muddied by what I just said about how we couldn't really see everything last year. We didn't get real clarity. They have two roster spots open. My personal opinion, I don't think they're going to fill either one of them unless somebody really good just falls in their lap that they know is going to play and make an impact. I don't think they want to pay somebody 
extra to be sitting on the bench right now. And just and I get it. It costs a lot of money even to sign a veteran's minimum. At some point, though, because this is how they roll, names are going to come up. Guys are going to be out there and all and all that kind of stuff. And I just I think this year, if there's a lesson from this, they caused an enormous amount of disruption, whether it was justified or not, by with Andre Drummond last year. I think given all the things they're going to have to do to figure out the rotation this year and the egos that are going to have to be kind of swallowed around different guys on the team and the buy-in and all this other stuff, they should be very conscious of what disruption means across the roster and across the rotation when they consider who they bring in and not just, this guy's pretty good. Let's, you know, he's a name. We kind of chase names and, Hey, talent is all that matters is collecting talent. I think there's a lesson in there for 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 that. I mean, there could be. I I think it's hard to apply it cleanly because when they mm-hmm. brought in Drummond, there there was a say. This is somebody who's not even a massive Andre Drummond fan. There, you know, there was a there was a reasoning behind it. It, it as much as I think this organization has been, you know, really in its whole existence, been star efforts. You know, th- I don't think bringing in Andre Drummond was purely chasing a name. You know, they may have been chasing a fit that didn't entirely work, but again, it was all through mm-hmm. the prism of he's supposed to be playing alongside a star that right. was only periodically and available. Like said, they and, could not they could not score. They need they were in a place right. where they needed to give up some defense to have you know, some kind of offensive. That, that being offense. said though, whenever you bring in anybody from the buyout market, you know, unless you're doing unless you're just making a move to bring in bodies just in case somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. If you're bringing in anybody that you hope can make an impact on the court, that by definition means somebody's going to have to lose playing time and somebody is going to have to be professional about it. And you know, because of the way this season was set up, you and I were not around the team as much you know, at all in ways that even if we weren't able to get truly inside the situation, you, you can see a lot of body language. You can maybe talk to somebody to the side, like whatever, like you could see exactly what was going on. In the case of somebody like Mark Gasol, who clearly was unhappy about this, how much of this, well, the good news is he actually said it out loud. So it right. made it a lot easier. Right. But he, tr- he began though, saying a lot of the right things. And then over time mm-hmm. it became more and more obvious how he felt about this, but you could start getting a better idea of, is this somebody that's getting pretty openly jerked around versus is this somebody who is not willing to put his ego to the side for the sake of the bigger picture, the way we praised JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard both mm-hmm. for doing that during the 2020 championship run. I mean, because when when they brought in Andre Drummond, you and I both had the attitude of this is likely going to send Mark Gasol to the bench, likely behind Montrez Harrell because of fit issues and so be it. Like he doesn't have to like it. So, you know, I want to make sure, you know, if nothing else, I'm not being revisionist about this. You you have to you have to care about it in the sense that you've got to treat people well along the way. And over time, I think we will learn how well the Lakers treated Mark in all of this. And I you think and the I, how the how matters. I mean, the right. how the how definitely I mean, matters. Look, for, for what it's worth, I mean, for all of the I guess, wide spectrum of opinion that's out there when it comes to Rob Palinka's people skills. I, I have heard very, very complimentary and very, very negative. You know, mm-hmm. heard both. Frank Vogel is known as a very good communicator. And 
He's not somebody who strikes me as overly tactless. That's just not no. Frank Vogel. No. Um, so I would like to think that this was communicated, if nothing else, with respect towards Marcus Gasol as a person and also what he's accomplished in the NBA. But this this stuff is never easy. It's, it's why I, I actually am... I got a good vibe from a lot of these veterans guys that they understand that their roles could be fluid. It's always different once things happen. Mm -hmm. But it's it felt a lot to me like a lot of guys were told you're going to have to be flexible. And then maybe look, and I think I think a lot a lot of this could you you hope that every year guys understand more. Like they 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 disrupted the roster last year, they disrupted it again in a big way this year. Um, you know, what can, you know, what can you take from one year to the next? Polinka talks about it. Vogel talks about it. Players talk about it. You always are in theory learning how much you actually are, but at least they say the right things. It is, this is just a bigger part. This is really, and uh, we can quit on this, but like, this is really the related to the Westbrook thing. It's the same question about Westbrook. Like they, was this the right move? Well, we don't know because we're basing it on imperfect information. Like last mm -hmm. year was imperfect information in a ton of different ways. The Lakers made a gigantic swing anyway. The the easier swing, the more the swing that would have been, I think, based more on sort of the two years ago lessons is let's get a, a roster that's pretty similar and just add shooting right, and, and keep the same basic thing of the formula that won it two years ago. They didn't do that. Nope. Based in part on the culture of the team, the culture of the franchise, which is very star-driven. What LeBron and, and AD over, wanted. Right, the, what LeBron and AD wanted, the overwhelming talent of Russell Westbrook, which is mm -hmm. absolutely part of this equation. But it was all based on imperfect information. And how they either... in Gasol is a small microcosm of that. The way the Lakers have gone about this stuff with the history of last year and the history of two years ago and the whole... you know, And the, and the names of the... There's really never been, I think, a better time to be someone who talks about these guys and is interested in them because there's there's a lot going on here, and I am I am uh, I'm a fan. Um, tomorrow, the plan still is to uh, look a little more into DJ, see if we actually are getting something useful, and we're gonna talk a little bit about this Nets rivalry, right? Yeah, like, it's a thing now. So yes. we're gonna have the locked on Nets guys on. We'll do a little Lakers Nets summertime chatter and find out if DeAndre is a useful player. Uh, and that's coming tomorrow. Make sure you sign up for Locked on Lakers on YouTube. I uh, love all the support we're getting there and the growth of that channel. We'll try to do some things to help make those videos a little easier to navigate and all that kind of stuff. We'll see everybody tomorrow.